As we prepare for the sacrament, I would ask that you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the second letter of Paul to the church in Corinth where he had been a pastor. And he's writing back now as a pastor would do to the people that he knows and loves very dearly. We've spent a lot of our Sundays this summer in Corinthians, and we'll do so more. Second Corinthians 12, 2, and we'll uh, read that in just a moment. As you may know, the Gallup organization has uh, spent a great deal of money and time Understanding our strengths, our human strengths. They created a uh, wonderful study or a test that can be taken that will identify one of about 30 different strengths that you would have. And for a fee, they'll tell you what your top five uh, strengths are. And it's interesting to me that this has now become kind of standard wisdom, and there's lots of research to back it up, uh, that we should uh, accentuate our strengths rather than focus on our weaknesses. That if you know what, what you're good at and you begin to focus on that and, and continue, especially in professions, but also in other areas of your life, that you will be more of a success than if you focus on trying to fix the weaknesses that are a part of who you are. Now, I don't argue with that. There's plenty of evidence to show that in this world and in our relationships and in our business relationships and community, that to accentuate the strengths works far better than focusing on the weaknesses. But the question that, that any of us as Christians would have immediately would be, well, is that also true in the spiritual realm? Uh, when it comes to doing things for God, is it out of human strengths uh, that we do those? Or is there some other way that God works and that allows us to put the praise to God rather than to think that somehow we, in our strength and in our ability, were able to accomplish it? Does God work in a different way? That's the question we want to focus in today, and we'll answer it by understanding what Paul says to his people in Corinth. Now, you remember, I've, I've told you that uh, the Greeks, of course, are a very sophisticated ancient culture. And they were proud of their culture, proud of their uh, physical ability. They, in fact, started the Olympics, as you know. They honored the strengths of, of Hercules and the great legend of Milo. So the Corinthians particularly saw human strength and human abilities, human intellect, as being important. Not unlike uh, American culture today, that we focus on physical well-being and strength and intellectual development, thinking that that, of course, will, will get us further in life. And so when Paul says these words, they're, they're very contrary to the culture of ancient Greece and perhaps in our culture today. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He even goes so far as to say, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And when Paul said those words, as I said, he was going against all the, the common knowledge, the strength finder culture that is saying that it's in, in something in you that makes you valuable to God and his work. It's some strength that you have uh, that God can use you. And so we want to understand 
What is Paul saying there? And in what way is that a true and not true within each of our lives? So let's look. Corinthians chapter 12, start with verse 2. We're only going to read eight verses this morning and stop at verse 10. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. He wants to make sure you understand that. Was caught up to paradise and he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, complete in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I keep that open before you. Let's pray. Father, as human beings, down through the century and the cultures and all places, it's easy for us to get caught up in the pride of self and in our own strength. Help us today as we come to the sacrament in all humility, recognizing our need of you, that we understand fully what that means and help us change in any of our thinking or any of our lives that is not in tune with your revelation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's interesting to me that in inverting this kind of thing that we've done where we've said that human strength is more important than God's strength and what it means to do something eternal rather than just in the temporary temporal world that human strength can, in fact, change, is that Paul starts with what you would think would be an example of that inversion. He, he says that he knows a man who was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the Jewish mind uh, divided the, the heavens into three levels. The first we would call the atmosphere. The second we would call space. The third, though, was this heavenly paradise, a spiritual realm with the city of God, the celestial city, the city of Jerusalem. So here is a person, either in a vision or in the body. Paul says, I don't know what it was, but I do know this person, and they are trustworthy. Here is a person who has gone to the third heaven, to God's city. Now, that is amazing. I've known many people who have had visions, and when they have those experiences and they see things they could not have seen with the human eye, when God opens their eyes as we sing in 
repeatedly throughout this service and throughout many of our services that we want to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. When we have those kinds of visionary experiences, we want to talk about it. We want to tell people, what have we experienced? But Paul makes a fascinating extinction, distinction between boasting about that and boasting in the human strength. And that will not boast about ourselves as though we were somehow deserving of such an experience, but it's rather in our weakness of not understanding or knowing that God came and did this work in his life and in all our lives. And then he makes it clear why he does that. Uh, we often think that we have to be somebody and, and accomplish something and have the resources before God can use us. Paul is turning that upside down and explaining that that is patently not true. He says that it is in his weakness that Christ's power becomes available. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now that phrase there in the Greek is very specific and it helps us to understand the so that is a necessary clause for what God is going to do. The word is henna. The NIV, as we saw, translates it so that. It means more appropriately in order that, or the result of which would be this. So it implies a necessary condition, which is our weakness, so that in order that, so that in order for this to happen, the result of that is God's power then is made possible in us. Now that's a profound statement. It's not what we bring to the table. It's in fact the weakness that we bring to the table where there's nothing we could boast in that makes it possible for God's strength to work through us that lasts beyond the grave, beyond the temporal, physical world in a way that makes a dramatic and complete difference in the lives of others so that the result is Christ's power. Now that is one of the primary purposes of what it means to trust in and to have confidence in and to rely upon God. It's, uh, we as human beings have this tendency to say, look at me. It's me. It's all about me. Look at what I can do. You only have to go and play with our two-year-olds to have them say that. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what I can do. But rather... The scriptures call us to look at God. Look at what God can do. Look at what he's at work. So that whatever circumstances and difficulties and troubles and, and, and uh, great sorrows that so plague us, that he is at work in the midst of that. It is God at work through me. Now, Paul even reinforces that at an even stronger level when he says that he has a thorn, a condition in his life that he's asked God to remove. Now, I think it's, it's just providential that Paul did not say what his thorn was. For thousands of years now, we all read this, and everybody has a thorn. Sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's financial. Everybody has a thorn. And what our tendency is to do is to come to God and say, please remove this that is hampering my success in whatever area of our lives. And yet for three times he says, please heal this. And God's response to him and to us 
My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect, complete, in weakness. It's in your weakness that I can do great things. It's a necessary condition for what I can do in your life. So we go back to the question. If strength finders is a helpful wisdom in being successful in this temporary existence because we're working on our strengths, is it different when we're working on things that are eternal? Does God work differently than uh, Gallup uh, polls? And the answer is yes. God works differently than human wisdom and human thoughts. That, in fact, human strength does not accomplish the spiritual purposes of God, but rather human weakness makes the possibility for God to do something through you that you could not have done and would not have been done if you had not offered that weakness to God for him to work through you. Now, that hits us in two primary ways. First, it hits us in our pride. Christians have long recognized that the number one deadly sin the sin that plagues all humanity, is pride. It also hits us in the, kind of the other side of that coin, of insecurity, lack of confidence, not sharing that we're able to be adequate for God to use, as though we're not of infinite and eternal importance. Yes, you are. But not through your strength, but through what God can do in you, in a life surrendered to him, such that he's able to work. It's in that, of course, that we have humility before God and confidence in God. One of the things that God has done very dramatically in my own life is that when I think a sermon is really good, (laughs) right, and I think, wow, you know, I really got that, Oftentimes, I don't see spiritual impact. And then on a Sunday morning when I'm preparing and preparing to say something to you, and I think, wow, this is not very good. (laughs) It's then that scores of you will say, you know, God was speaking to me today. He spoke directly. He spoke spoke deeper than I've I've heard. And I, I learned very, very early in ministry that it's not through a pastor's prowess or a pastor's intellect or a pastor's um, prideful strength that God works. It's through availability. It's through opportunity. It's through saying, God, if there's anything you want to say, I, I want to say it in the way you want it said. And if I can't say it adequately, please speak to them directly through your Holy Spirit. For this is a profound moment. The sacrament is particularly a profound moment. It's a moment of great humility where we come before God and we say, I don't deserve, but I receive. I know that it's not by my pride and righteousness, but it's by your grace and mercy. I I need forgiveness. I need transformation of my heart. I need change of life. I need cleansing of the things that are the thorns that so plague me. I need you. And that's where the sacrament is, this willingness to come forward and to receive in humble confidence what God wants to do within our lives. 
And it's the great moment in which all of us are equal before the foot of the cross and we all come in equal weakness to the great majesty and power of a God that loves us and is at work within us. And so we invite you. I don't know whatever state you're in this morning. I don't know what thorns you're struggling with. I don't know what it is that's caused you to feel pride and therefore to separate you from being able to be effective eternally before God. But whatever it is, I invite you. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church. We serve open communion. And we encourage you to come and make your honest confession to Almighty God and to allow Him to, in fact, transform and to change you. Life seldom works out as any of us expect it to. There are often things that come upon us that we think has destroyed our family or our lives or our health. And yet, you don't have to walk very long with God and you begin to have a wonderful confidence and praise and thanksgiving to God that the Eucharist, that expression of thanksgiving that the sacrament is. And we are blessed. As I talk with people who have walked through very difficult things and they just talk about the blessing and the praise of God even in the midst of and certainly after. And so this morning I invite you to receive that blessed sacrament of his wonderful presence.